Amen. All right. So, man, it's awesome when God moves, right? Except for when you're teaching and you have a lot less time. No, I'm teasing. No, and and you know what? Let's just give the worship team just a, a shout out because, you know what? They put a lot of time behind the scenes to, to make what happens happen here on Sunday morning. And we get to walk in and we get to enjoy it. But there's a lot of investment in there. And, and you, know, we're, you know, I know God's pleased with them. And it's just awesome. It's awesome to be part of a church that loves to worship, right? That is not ashamed. You shout out, dance, rod, you know, all that stuff. Leading the charge. It's awesome. So uh, God, God is good. Uh, today I have a message for you that I feel like um, is a message of freedom, and it's a message I believe that is easy to preach because it applies to all of us. Now, is there anybody here in this room that does not have a past? A past. You have a past. I have a past. We all have a past. We carry around a past. Every person, and this is the thing, every person that you talk to, it's amazing because you just, you look and you see a regular person, but once you get to know them, you realize there is a story behind the person. There's a story that everybody carries. And so I want to talk today about how the past is a big deal and how if we don't actually address the past and deal with our past, it can actually influence how we live today and how we embrace the future and what God has for us. I like to walk around, so I'm going to move these things there. And so I want to show you a video. I have evidence of how the past can really influence your, your present. All right, and this is from Despicable Me, too. And this is, uh, well, we'll see. Go ahead, play the, play the clip. And turn on the volume. Hit pause, and then we'll turn on the volume. Let's, hit the, let's start the clip again, and let's turn on the volume. I don't have Despicable Me to memorize, do you guys? No, so we'll have to listen. Okay, here we go. Hey, I told you guys to get to bed. Oh, sorry. So when you're going on your date? What? Remember, Miss Jillian said she was arranging a date for you. Yeah, well, she is a nut job, and I'm not going on any date. Why not? Are you scared? Okay, and so you see little Gru's experience shaped how he is living his life now. And he did what most of us do with our bad, negative, we ignore them. We don't want to deal with them. We don't want to think about them. We don't want to, you know, take the time. And so watch this next clip. Hello, Lucy. This is Gru. 
I know up to this point our relationship has been strictly professional and you're leaving for Australia and all, but okay, here is the question. Would you like to, to go out on a date? Okay, that's not helping. All right, here we go. For real this time. Mm. I can do this. So what I love about that is how, how when we don't deal with our past, it affects our present and it clouds our future. It really does. And if, if we're too afraid, if we don't do the work, if we don't invite Jesus into those places, it's actually going to hold us back from embracing all that God has for us, right? Gru liked this girl and he couldn't ask her out because he was too afraid because he hadn't dealt with what happened to him when he was eight. Now I have my own Gru-like experience. When I was like 12, there was a girl I liked and she was, you know, I, she knew I liked her and, and we were at this party and, and I was really afraid of girls, but I liked her. So I was very similar to Gru. And so she knew I liked her. And so she walks over to me and I'm like, oh, this is cool. We're going to talk. And she, she sits on my lap, which is like, for a 12-year-old, that's kind of weird, right? But I was like, okay, this is cool, right? I mean, she sits on my lap, and I'm like, okay, well, maybe, you know, now maybe I can ask her out or something like that. And then she farts on me. <laughs> and then she gets up, and, it, and it's kind of like, you are so stupid to think that I would like you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make fun of you, right? Little 12-year-old Jonathan. And that actually shaped how terrified I was of girls for a long time. Seriously, when I, had, when I went back, back in my day, you actually talked on the phone. And so like I would call like a girl. You didn't have texting or Snapchat or any of that stuff. And so when I would prepare to call a girl and talk to her, I'd have a whole, like I'd have seven pages of notes on which I can, like if, if things get bad, you know, or if she farts on me, I can do something, you know, whatever. And that's all funny. Yeah, you can laugh, Caleb. Caleb. <laughs> See, without realizing it, we often carry around something from our past that holds us back 
okay? Now, it might be a girl farting on you, or it could be, you know, it could be anything. It could be past failure. It could be things that we're ashamed of. It could be things that, that we've disappointed other people in, right? And we carry it around with us, and we bring it up, and we bring it with us into new relationships. We bring it with us into conversations. We bring it with us into uh, things that God wants to do, wants us to step into. And because we're carrying these weights, we can't be free to step into what God has for us. Okay? Now listen, the past is a big deal. We all know that. And the world, like, there's like tons of advice about there. If you just do a... Does this not work? Go to the next slide. There you go. So just a quick meme search of the past. There's like all kinds of great one-liners. People only bring up your past when they are intimidated by your presence, right? Your past... It's done, so forget it. Your future, it's it's yet to come, so dream it now. But your present is now, so live it with no regrets. There's all kinds of good one-liners. But the problem is, if it was all it took was a one-liner for you to deal with your past, then we'd all be healthy. We'd all be people who are fearless and confident. We're people embracing what God has for us now and into the future. A meme does not work, doesn't change the heart. And so it actually takes more work than just reading a great one-liner. Okay, I think we, gotta have, we have to understand God's heart about our past. And then, this is the thing, you don't just deal with it once. It's not just a one-time deal. Sometimes it is. And for those people, you can pray for me. But for me, it's something that I have to regularly, the things that have affected me and held me back and made me afraid and made me insecure and made me worried. Those things I have to regularly lay down and say, God, you need to help me in this. Jesus, meet me here in my pain. I don't like because of being, of failing and this and this and this in the past. I don't want to do it again, God. And he's like, well, Jonathan, I'm calling you. Oh, God, you need to meet me here then, right? And so God is not obsessed with your past. In fact, go to the next slide. Oh, there we go. Good job, Linda. God is not obsessed with your past. In fact, he is far more concerned about your future than your past. Do you know, for us, we get drugged back into the past because we hold on to the past too much. Because God is a God of freedom. God says, hey, it doesn't matter what you did yesterday, last week, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Do you know that today is a new day? Do you know there's mercies that are new today in this moment for you to stand into? See, too often we judge ourselves based on our past and we forget about grace and freedom that Jesus has for us today. And so God is far more concerned about our future. He's invested so many resources into you for your future. And he has dealt with your past. And that's something that we can grow in confidence in See, when he thinks of you, he doesn't think of a big ball of disappointments and failures. He doesn't think of you as regrets. or He doesn't see you as a victim. He doesn't see you as past your prime. These are all things that we hold on to. Okay? God is far more interested in your future than your past. And Jesus says in the Gospel of John that he has come to give us life to the fullest. Right? But in order to live life the fullest, we have to be fully present. And if we are holding on and we're being tethered to the past, we can't fully be in the present of what God's doing right now because it's holding us back. And so God is calling us to be fully present. Now, do you know today's the best day? 
Because it's your only day. Today is your day that God has made for you to step into. It's what he's calling us into. And so I want to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of your past. Okay? And this is a, this is a way actually for me to remember when I'm thinking about it. Like, okay, God, how, what am I giving to you today? The good, the bad, and the ugly. And so you might say, okay, how does the good of your past hold you back from embracing the present and the future? Okay, because, you know, the good is a good. I like to think about the good. The good is good. The good is good. It's good, right? This is where it holds you back. Go to the next slide. Okay. Wish we could turn back time to the good old days, right? To the days where kids could bike around the neighborhoods and go down to the local, you know, I mean, we're, I'm always like that with my kids. Like you guys, you know, when we were teenagers, we used to have this, you know, it was a better time. It was a good time. We all have those times in our lives when we think back and think, man, the world was better back then. And see, the thing is, is that we can appreciate the good times, but sometimes those good times actually trap us from embracing what is happening now. Right? There was times here at the barn where God was moving in powerful ways. But if we get stuck remembering the good old days and we don't embrace here and now, well, God's going to pass us by. Right? We have to be people who embrace what happens now. And you know as parents, and look. Look at that. Look at my kids. Whoa. Look at my beautiful little kids. Beautiful little kids. Like, look at little Judah. He's so adorable. The, the red Crocs, and like, it was just, it was so much easier back then before they turned into these mom, I mean, these teenagers, <laughs> right? That learned how to, like, argue with you in ways that seemed intelligent, right? Or learned how to, like, get boyfriends. Oh, boyfriends. <sighs> Right? Dads, can I get an amen? Right? right. And, and, and so you look at that, and you can be trapped by wishing you could turn back time, by longing for the good old days when your kids were little and they would jump on your lap. And, you know, but what you tend to forget is the bad of the good old days, of changing diapers, of being sleep-deprived, right? Of, of having to play make-believe for hours, I cannot be a prince any longer. It's over. Right? And, and, and instead, you need to appreciate the wonderful things about, your, about getting older. See, some of us are just resent getting older. Man, the good old days. I feel it because I'm playing basketball a lot right now, and I remember when I was 20, and I was so much better. And like my knees felt better and my, you know, I was, I was way more aggressive. And now I'm like an old man after a basketball game. And I see these young guys. I'm like, you guys think you have it all together, right? Whatever. So the thing is, is that we can be trapped by wishing we could go back. And this is the thing. We exist in time. We cannot go back. And we need to appreciate what happened in the past, but also realize there is something beautiful happening right now. And there's actually a scripture, a really kind of obscure one that I think is really powerful. It's Amos 5.4. And it says, seek me and live. This is God speaking to Israel. Seek me and live. Do not seek Bethel. Do not go to Gilgal. Do not journey to Beersheba. All right? And this is what God's saying is, God met Israel in powerful ways in each of those places. But he's saying, if you're going back there, 
and think you're going to have like a repeat of what happened there. And if you're longing, calling, going, you're not going to find me there. You need to seek me here and live. That's the key to living fully is seeking God now in this moment and realizing that what God has for you now is just as good as what you had 20 years ago or 30 years ago. Actually more because today God is on the move. And so we need to embrace that. You won't find God in the past. If we obsess over what God did last, we'll miss what he wants to do. And so we need to embrace. For some of you, this is a word for you today. Embrace the season you are in right now. Stop fighting against God and time. Embrace it. So maybe there was a time where it was easy to have quiet times or you felt like you're hearing God all the time or you felt like, you know, God was answering your prayers like crazy. Well, you know what? Maybe you're going through a harder season right now. And sometimes we have to go through the valley to understand the power of God. And so whatever season you find yourself in, you can't just sit there resenting God for where you are and longing for where you used to be. Embrace it now. It's a hard word, but it's true. Embrace it. So that's the good of our past. And then there's the bad of our past. Because we live in a broken world, because there's been terrible things done, there are people, all of us have been sinned against. And, and I'm not making light of this. Like we have, there are people who have been sexually abused. There are people who have been abused. There are people who have been bullied. There are people who have been hurt by the church. There are people who have been betrayed by friends, right? These are all real things. And what's happened to you is real. There is, there is bad that has been done to every one of us in this room. And, and, and God knows that. He sees it. And I'm not saying God makes light of what's been done to you. But I'm certainly not saying that God does not care about what you endured. Your pain is real. It's legit. And it's hard. But God also says he is close to the brokenhearted. And so God wants to meet you in the bad of your past. And too often we keep God separate from the past. We don't allow him to step into those places. And see, this is a turning point for how you respond to what's been done to you. See, you were a victim. And most likely, we've all been victimized in some way, somehow, through our lives. And you can choose there to stay in that place of being a victim, or you can meet Jesus. And does Jesus call anybody, when he calls you into his kingdom, does he say, I call you a victim? No. When we meet Jesus, what does he say? In Romans 8, 24, he says, in all these things... Right, And he was talking about all these things happening to you. The good, the bad, the bad things happening to you. You know, darkness and all kinds of sin. He says that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. More than conquerors. He doesn't say you are a victim and you must endure the consequences for the rest of your life. He said you are more than a conqueror. See, victims don't have the mindset of being a conqueror. Victims have a mindset of being hopeless. Of things being done to you. And this is a way that you know if you're sitting in a victim mindset. It might not be all your life. It might be an area of your life. It might be finances. It might be relationships. It might be your relationship with God. These things get into us and we think, I'm never going to be, it's never going to be good for me like this for somebody else. I'm never going to have the relationship with God like, like this, these other people do. Or, woe is me. 
Why does this always happen to me? I never get the breaks. I never get good things happening to me. And if you sit under this mindset, it's going to steal from you what God wants to bless you with now, today. Because you know what? You're not in a place of receiving the blessings of God. You're actually resisting the blessings of God because you're living as a victim. And God wants to set us free from the victim mindset. We do not need to live under the way the world thinks, the way the mind of the world thinks. God's given us so much more. Right? And it also comes in handy, having a victim mindset, when we don't want to change. Too many of us want to blame our past and the things that are done to us so that we don't change, so we can justify why we live the way we live, why we do the things that we do, why we're addicted to this, why we don't love this way, why we're not giving or caring or forgiving. We like to live in that place of blaming other people for things that we need to take responsibility for and give to Jesus and let him change our lives. Amen? See, Jesus shatters the victim mentality. He steps on and says, you know what? You might have felt hopeless. You might have felt despair. You might have felt like you had no choice when you were being victimized. And you know what? That's probably true. But now that you come with me, you come up here. You reign with me. And no longer are you going to allow the circumstances of this world to dictate how you live. Actually, there's a new command. There's a new kingdom. There's a new way of life that I am ushering into your life right now. It's my kingdom that we live under. And that's why he shatters that mindset. And so no... I don't believe any follower of Jesus should live as a victim, no matter how terrible your past has been. And actually, if you go and you like look into people who have actually been seriously persecuted or terrible things, you know, like, like people who have followed Jesus through those times, Holocaust survivors and people like that, you see such a radical conquering mindset that it's like nothing in this world could steal away the faith and the blessing that these people have. Right. Incredible. You are not powerless because Jesus has called you a conqueror. Let that sink in. Actually, I'm just going to pray. God, I pray for every person who feels powerless in their lives right now, who feels hopeless in their lives. Lord, thank you for the words shared during worship. Lord, we declare right now that we are more than conquerors. Not because of our own will, not because of our own strength, but because of what you did, Jesus, for every one of us here. Because of what you did on the cross and how the grave is empty now. And you are alive and active, God. And we declare that every person in this room who follows you is a conqueror and is called to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. My brother-in-law, Alex. uh, If there's anybody who could live a victim mindset and lifestyle, it's Alex. Because he was basically raised by an alcoholic father and he was abandoned time as a two-year-old and a three-year-old and a four-year-old left in the truck as his dad went into the bar for hours and hours and hours. And then his dad abandoned him and he was put into the foster system for years until he was adopted when they were in their, I think their teenage years, right? Him and his brother. Like if anybody can live a victim, like this is the thing. That's why you can't out-victimize. Like, like we all have Right? You can't like one-up people on, well, okay, you know, but I have a right to be a victim. You know, when you give your life to Jesus, you give up your rights. And you don't have that right. And Alex has given up that right. And he is someone who is so compassionate, so loving, so full of life. And he doesn't live under this, woe is me, why is life so hard? Why is life so miserable? He lives under the blessing of Jesus. Man, 
Amazing. You either get bitter or better. Right, and that's what Donald Miller said in his book, and this is something that, that we've learned. And so the last thing I want to talk about is the ugly of your past. You want to know what I think about myself. Failure, 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 failure. And you know, this is the thing. When we all get alone, if we're left to ourselves, we are reminded of the things that we've done, the things that we've thought. Like really, if, if, if we could, like if I could just put up here on a screen, like the things I've thought this past week that have, like, are shameful, it would, it, I wouldn't be here because I wouldn't want to put it up there, right? We, we all know who we are. And this is the thing. We might look good to other people. We might look like we have it all together. But in the end, we know that we are broken, that we have sinned, and that's why we're in such desperate need of Jesus. Not just once, not just twice. Every day, every moment. We need to step into his grace. We need to step into his freedom. We need to step into that place where we are not called failures, that we are not marked by our greatest areas of shame. Right? If someone, you know, we, we, we can't define ourselves by our lowest places when God's called us to something so much higher. And so I think about, there's a story from high school that I remember. There was a kid, and this is before like, Special needs was really addressed, but there was definitely a special needs kid in our class, and he was huge. He was really tall, and he was big, and everybody was mean to him. And he was someone who was like a, a, kind of like a tortured dog that, like, as you fought, 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 you know, and, and abused, he would fight back. And I remember it, the worst was in our gym locker room. And our, you know, a lot of the guys would just, like, take their towels and whip him and, like, push him up against the locker. And one of my greatest moments, I mean, something I'm really ashamed of is that I didn't participate, but I also didn't stand up for him. I just allowed it to happen. And you know, that, that's a small thing. I have much greater areas of shame too, but this is just something like we all carry around these memories, these things that if, you, if that's defining me, that moment of me just sitting by watching this kid get bullied at a Christian school, if that was what defined me, then I would be nothing, right? And the thing is about sin and failure and shame, everyone has blown it. And see, look, you might look, there's this picture again, like this family up here looks really good, besides maybe the guy, but like the, the older guy. But like, look, look, I mean, like there's like my oldest daughter and she's beautiful and she's graduated, you know, 4.0. And, and there's my, my three other kids and they're all like, we look great. And the thing is, is that we all project this picture of how good we look. But if you actually peeled back the layers of this family right here, you would see, right? And a lot of you know our story. You would see a broken marriage eight years ago where we had very little hope that anything was going to be restored from that, right? A husband and wife who sinned against each other, who turned against each other, right? You see kids who are full of problems. (laughs) Too many to count, The thing is, is that we, every person has a past. Every person has blown it. Every family. You might think, wow, those people have it all together. And whenever everything happened in our marriage and as as things fell apart, you know, it was funny because people would say to Rebecca especially, wow, you look, 
you look like, like so good. None of us are good. We can look good, but none of us are good, and that's why we need to let Jesus touch the broken parts of us, where we have sinned, where we have stumbled. We have a past. You know, and what you do with something that's shameful and ugly, what do you normally do? You hide it. You hide it. Right? I mean, this is the thing. We all love puppies. The faces are really cute, but you don't lead with the backside. You're not like, hey, come and see my little puppy. Take a look at his butt. Right? You don't show the disgusting. You want to hide the disgusting. Right? You want to show people how together you are, how good everything is. You don't, but this is the thing. And this is why the church has been called fake from so many people who watch on the, in, on the outside and look in because we're all showing each other the puppy face, but everybody's hiding the broken, the ugly, the disgusting, the shameful. When's the last time you've confessed a sin to someone? When's the last time you've been honest about where your, your heart has been off, where you've been broken? See, God wants to deal with the brokenness, the ugly of our lives, but we have to be willing to let him in. And we have to be willing to let other people in. I would say the biggest reason why Rebecca's and my marriage broke was because we didn't let anybody else in. We were struggling mightily, but no one knew. So you can fake it for so long until then it just explodes. If we would have had people speaking into our lives, and I'm not blaming anybody because we isolated ourselves and the actual issues that we were dealing with. And so we need to be people who are ruthless about dealing with the ugly. Right? That, that is what kills hypocrisy. We have to be people who are willing to invite Jesus into the broken parts. And we have to actually be aggressively fighting against rationalization. You know, oh, it's okay I did that. It's okay that I looked at that. It's okay that I thought that. It's okay that I gossiped about that. Or we need to deal with these things or else they're going to hold us back from living the fullness of what God has for us. And see, you know what God... See, God... I love it. I love how when the disciples were told, Jesus left and he said, that he said go out to you know, um, Jerusalem, Judea, and then to the ends of the earth or whatever. What did they do? They all just stayed there. I'm sure like Jesus is up there like, come on, guys. I didn't say go out to your neighborhoods. I said go out to the ends of the world. And so they're like, we need to find somebody new. And so they're like, God the Father is like, hmm, Jesus, what do you think about that guy, Paul? Or Saul? He's like, you mean the one that's like trying to kill everybody? Yeah, yeah, that, that guy. You mean the one who's like fully like embraced, you know, the Jewish you know, he's like an expert Pharisee. Yeah, 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 that guy. It's like, I don't know, Father. And he's like, yeah, he'll do. Picked him because of his past. And when Jesus met Paul on the road, and Paul had this radical conversion, when Paul was released to his ministry, for a while, how did people view Paul? Based on his past. This is the thing. People and you are going to just try to define yourself by your past. But Jesus doesn't define you by your past. He defines you by what is coming forward, right? He defines you by what's in your heart now and the future. And you know what? If Paul would have been like, oh, everybody thinks I'm terrible, I must be terrible. 
And so I can't do this. I'm sorry. And he walked away. We can't allow what other people think of us, how other people view us, to hold us back from doing what God's called us to do. Right? Paul certainly didn't do it. And it was awesome because I feel like Jesus was like, we're going to use Paul as an example. For anybody who says, I am too bad. I'm too far gone. I'm too afraid. I'm too messed up. I can't do this. I can't be used by you, God. I can't follow you. And Jesus just always got to say is, well, look at Paul. I picked a guy who murdered the church. None of you, hopefully, are murderers in this room. You're all more qualified than Paul right now. All we have to do is embrace how God sees us and go forward. See, Paul wrote, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Don't you think that meant something to him when he said forgetting what is behind? Don't you think he had to remind himself every day forgetting what is behind? How I blew it. How I missed it. How did I miss the Messiah? How did I miss everything the Jewish prophecy said? And I blew it. And then I actually was so zealous about blowing it, I murdered people who got it. Don't you think that meant something? Forgetting what is behind. How often do we need to sit there and declare, I will not be defined by my past, my failures, my fears, my insecurities. Straining toward what is ahead, I press toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And this is what I want to end with this scripture. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. What does that mean? Don't live in the past. And when Paul says, when this says forget, are we supposed to like be brainwashed and forget our past? No, he's not saying that. He's saying put it in its proper place. The things that were done to you, the good times that you experienced, the things that you have done, put it in its proper place. Don't dwell on them. See, I am doing a new thing. Today, there's a new thing that God is doing in your life. You might not see it. You might not believe it. That doesn't hold God back. He is doing it. And so we need to get on board. But these former things are going to have to be dealt with. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. So God is saying, I am awesome. I can do far more than what you actually think I can do. So give me a chance with your past. Come on, just open up a crack in your heart and let me in. I was just talking to a girl recently, a woman who's recently married, and her, her issues with her father, even though they were with her father, was completely affecting how she was able to relate to her husband. I sat there and I said, you need to deal with this. You need to let God work on your heart because if you don't, if you shut the door to the healing that God wants to do for your relationship and your past, and if you don't let the father heart touch you and change you, then you are never going to be the wife that you're called to be. You are never going to embrace the hope that you have, that you've longed for. There's a reason why the rear view mirror it's much smaller than the windshield. If you tried to drive with your eyes mostly on the rearview mirror, what would happen? It would not be pretty. 
See, God made it so that we look forward. We need to be forward-facing. And if we're always looking in the past, whether we're trapped by the good, the bad, or the ugly, if we continue to keep our eyes focused on the past, we're going we're gonna to wreck our lives. We need to be people who look forward to what God has for us. See, I am doing a new thing. Who wants that new thing in their lives? Right? We need to let go of our past. To be fully alive is to be fully present. And to do that, you've got to leave the past in the past. And you can't do it on your own. But we have been given such an incredible gift of Jesus to give us the power and the authority and the freedom to deal with our past in a way that happens not just once and for all. I mean, he did do it once and for all, but we get to embrace it and receive it every day. Let's stand up together. Caleb, come on up. Okay, next man up. Whoever needs to get up here, get up here. All right, maybe it's, all right, there we go. So guys, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna ask the prime minister team to come forward. Because I think this is a big enough thing that you might want to respond and just let God. And this is the thing. There might be things that are holding you back that you don't even realize because you've shoved it so far down and you've ignored it for so long that you don't realize it's, it's making you make the decisions that you are. So I'm going to ask you, if you want to surrender the good, the bad, the ugly of your past, and it could be something specific or it could be something general, just saying, yes, God, I want to give it. Just come forward. Come forward, because I believe God wants to set you free today. And in order for the barn to be able to do what it's called to do today, tomorrow, and into the future, we need to deal with our past. We need to let it go. Let it go. So just raise your hands. Jesus, we know there is hope in you. And God, we don't want to carry around the burdens. God, it's exhausting trying to fake it for so often. We want to be authentic. God, we give you our brokenness, God. God, we don't want to live as victims in this world, God. We want to be conquerors in you. Help that not just be a, a good phrase that we read, but let us live the conquering life. We want to conquer the things that have been done to us, God. We want to see healing happen in our lives. We want to be set free so that we can love the way you've called us to love. I want to speak to a few people here in this room that you've just been feeling the good of your past and you've been wanting to go back. And maybe it's just an age thing and you feel like you're getting older and you feel like you've passed your prime. And you're wondering what's ahead of you. And God is saying there is more for you in the future than there was in the past. We just speak that over you now. You are not too old. You are not past your prime. There is a richness waiting for you. So come forward now. We're going to pray for you. And I really just challenge all of you. Let's give it away. Let's give it to Jesus. Let's give it to Jesus. So Jesus, thank you for what you're doing here at the barn. Thank you for how you're working in every person's life. Lord, thank you, Jesus, that you do not leave us to deal with our own issues on, by ourselves, God, but that you step into the places of brokenness of our past 
and that you love us to life, to fullness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus.